My name is Dylan Gott. I'm Dylan Gott, and you're Dylan Gott. We're all Dylan, Dylan Gott. Let's all be, let's all be Dylan Gott. Better at sex than you would think. Dylan Gott. Ooh. Dylan Gott. Working out's paying off. Dylan Gott. I do steroids, <laughs> and I'm just getting fatter because I don't want to work out. Did you know to do steroids, you have to also work out like twice a day? I did know like, that. That's yes. how they work? I did know. That sucks. It does suck. I thought I thought you just like, it was like cartoons and you just did uh, curls and then just got huge. It's also really interesting now watching, uh, this has nothing to do with, pro- well, it sort of does, is that there's a lot of, like, a lot of scientists are now being like, uh, plant-based proteins and a basically a vegan diet and then just crazy working out is the healthiest way to have like just be crazy strong and crazy lean and crazy muscular and all of these like muscle and fitness meat dudes are all like uh no though bud and they're like no no we have like the science to prove actually because it's good carbohydrates which is actually good energy and it burns off so if you're then having like just like like an unreasonable amount of uh, like nuts like blended in so that your body it immediately goes into your bloodstream and it breaks down the protein that way you're actually much leaner much quicker it's so fucking like arnold schwarzenegger is now like a big proponent of like vegan bodybuilding and stuff like that because it's like completely like saved his like once destroyed body from all the steroids all the meat and i assume all of the fucking I mean, I think the sad part about it is the dieting industry and I read some stuff about it like in the 20s and stuff and it's like, it's all just a fucking fad, man. Like, just eat whatever. Just don't eat chips and burgers. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, don't eat a ton of bread and chips and you'll be fine. Here's the counterpoint to that is that scientists have made chips and bread taste so good now and that's what I eat. Oh, yeah. I'm... Trying to lose weight for my wedding, so I've just been eating just like all I've been eating is just basically meat and vegetables. And you just your body, you just lose weight because you're just like, oh yeah, it's good. But let me tell you this: the second you eat anything that's like quote unquote junk food, oh, it's three days of an absolute maniac time. Cause yeah, you're just like, oh, I missed all of the tastes. <laughs> you do spiral, man. It's also like things and also, like, just don't fucking put oil. Like just. Just cook the meat, you fuck. Don't fuck it. Oh, I got to put some oil and I got to put... I need sauce for my meat. I'll tell you who sauce sauce the meat in East There you go. There you go. That's good. Who are we doing today, John? Oh, we're doing ourselves, bud. <laughs> we can... Ooh, yeah. You don't need to ask for consent when you're fucking yourself. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah. Put it on your grave. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting that on my grave, everyone. We've got a lot of good gravestones going. Yeah, here lies Sean Hastings. You don't need consent when you're fucking yourself. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pay someone to change my birth certificate to born June 9th, 1969. This is something I was thinking about also, is that isn't it weird in the last ten years how it went from you could really tell who a racist was to now it could just be anybody. That's interesting. No, I mean, well, I mean, I tried to have a skit about this, but there was, uh, I saw like a, I was in England and I legitimately saw a Nazi on the bus. Oh yeah. He, got a SS, he had an SS tattoo on his neck. 
Um, he had uh, the eagle, um, the German flag on his hand, which I thought, which my first thought was like, oh, don't bring them into this. Do you know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> now you're bringing this sovereign German flag in this. But anyway, um, and I just thought it was like watching like a VCR racism walking around. You know what I mean? Because it's like, just wear the hat. You can just take the hat off. What are you doing? You've committed too much to this. Have you not seen him? It was so weird. It was like seeing someone's dad, if they're like a punk, and then their kid wears like exclusively Supreme jumpsuits, where it's like, no, man, you got to update your racism. Get all the tattoos removed and just wear one red hat. Like, it's so much cheaper to be a racist. Yeah, it really. It's also like so much less of a commitment. It really is. You just take the hat off if uh, Elizabeth Warren gets in, and we're back to normal. I know people don't believe me. I don't think Trump is going to get in. I don't think it's going to happen. Hey, man, I hope I hope not. But uh, this isn't the let's hope the world stops burning uh, oh, it's podcast. It's the opposite. This it's is a wrestling the podcast. It's wrestling. the world is definitely burning <laughs> podcast. And we're talking, speaking of people you could definitely tell are racists, the Dudley Boys, everybody. The Dudley Boys. Yeah. Now, what is Bubba, what is Bubba Worry's nickname for Paul Heyman? Uh, well, it depends. If he likes Paul Heyman, it's my friend Paul, Dr. Frankenstein. If he doesn't like him, he's a uh, big Jew, give me 10 grand. No, it's he's called him the Jew. Oh, of and course. Then, he- and then the Jew told me what I was no, doing. Here's the thing that no one talks about New York City, is that New York is as racist as the southern United States. Like, so, like, everyone, is like, this Albanian, we have a friend of ours who's from the 1970s who lives there. And like occasionally, even what like he'll just be like, "Oh, we gotta go. Over, we gotta find a Jewish part of town. They'll have that type of bread." And you're like, "What? The fuck are you talking about?" I will say this: there is t- there are towns like, and I live in the east end of Toronto, and it is also weirdly like this, where it's like you'll just get asked about your heritage. That sounds weird, but I'm like, I'm like fucking potato and roast beef white, so that is not a thing that ever happens. Yeah. But they'll be like, "What's your uh, what's your heritage?" I'm like, "I don't know, man." what (laughs) and then because everyone has definable like different neighborhoods obviously have different cultures and that's how new york was or is during the melting pot and sometimes you just like look at people try and understand them based on their culture whereas we come from areas or at least i do where it's like monoculture where it's like oh that guy likes spicy food i saw him eat a tomato once it's interesting. I don't actually tell people if they ask me what my heritage is. And, and they're like, oh, is it Anglo-Saxon? I go, no, I'm just in charge. That's my fucking heritage, bud. That's good. Alpha. I'm I'm from the bosses. My sperm didn't come from the balls. It came straight from the shaft. I'm from shaft come. <laughs> Ooh, looks like you're weak. You was pre-cum. Yeah, you're probably from pre-cum, not me. I was... Top of the load, first where it goes from clear to white. My favorite, uh, my favorite story of uh, conception ever was uh, is our Chris Robinson, uh, very funny comedian, had a child, a beautiful child named Carter. He's about two now, two or three. Anyway, condom on, baby. What? Yeah, he says I remember the load because I remember thinking, wow, I'm pretty sure I lost some spinal fluid on that one. <laughs> <laughs> shot a load too big uh, listen i have another friend of mine who remembers the load in that uh she said finish on my back and he went i'm gonna try and then he didn't and now he has a kid <laughs> that's good stuff what he also said is i was talking to him about his two kids and i'm like you don't have a favorite he's like i don't have a favorite but the older one i remember the load he's like i know i know the sex that he came from the other one 
it could have been about five times. So he's like, I have fonder memories of the conception of one than the other. <laughs> yeah, we have a friend with four kids who uh, also his story uh, was because he just had twins and his wife was on birth control. And then the doctor explained to him uh, that if you get a woman too wet, then the birth control can actually not work. And uh, he screamed at the doctor, you're punishing me because I eat pussy good. <laughs> like, also, that guy, by the way, is the best man in the entire world. I love it. That man once moved a so- sofa using a taxi cab. I still don't know how he did it. <laughs> That's Keith Pedro. If you want to look Keith Pedro and Chris Robinson up. Keith Pedro. I would say if Keith Pedro should be the prime minister of Canada, that guy, but I guarantee he would slap the fuck out of Donald Trump in a very hilarious way. But you know why you're getting that? Because you're a bitch. When you're not a bitch, you get to sit at the daddy table. Right now, you're on the floor, and everyone's looking very confused at Keith, and he's like, I said he's on the floor, bitch! <laughs> yeah, just gets caught for maybe infidelity, and he's like, I don't think you should elect someone who doesn't have an infidelity thing. What? How? Ch- you have to be base level of charming. Once explained to me that sometimes you just got to yell at a bouncer so they know where their place is, which I was like, you know what? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I don't know. I just watched a YouTube video. Uh, YouTube, I shouldn't say one. I have a YouTube playlist of b- bouncers knocking people out, oh, and uh, I, I will never yell at a bouncer again. It's just a guy who's. It's like bouncers are great because it's like any customer service job, but they get to punch someone and just be like, "No, he asked for it." And all the other bouncers are like, "He did." Um, I was talking. So at the Edinburgh Festival, all of the security are glasgow prison guards that then do that f- that's bad do that for a month as like a moonlighting gig and i was talking to one of them once after i had an incident where he had to like take five guys out of my room and they squared off him in an elevator and i was like what well, what's your like move if you're outnumbered and he's like uh pal here's something i don't know the nose you can rip it off and i was like what the fuck are you talking about and he's like if you get enough torque on the nose you can rip a good part of it off so just start trying to do that to one guy and the rest of them will back off. I was like, you're, you're crazy. <laughs> that is true, though. If you're in a fight with a bunch of people, uh, you got to make an example out of one guy. There's a very good, I mean, it went viral like when the internet was invented. But a boss rooting how to fight nine men video. Okay, here's what you do. You're coming to me. You talk to me like that. I don't think so. Bang in the face. To the groin. It's just mostly like headbutt him and then kick him in the nuts. And you can get through like three. If you're fast enough, you can get through three guys pretty fast. Because <laughs> the first guy's like, because you see any knockouts of uh, like a bunch of people in a row. It's just one guy going, I'm going to hit these guys. And the other guys are going, but there's three of us. <laughs> just like, to, And then by the time you, you get two guys down, the third guy's like, oh, no. That's a good strategy. <laughs> I still maintain my friend Paul Harrison's strategy of just get completely naked as fast as possible is the best strategy. The World Star Hip Hop video where a guy gets <laughs> sucker punched at a bar, so he just pulls his dick out, and the other guy goes, oh, gross, and just runs away. <laughs> <laughs> And that guy was me, and I punched myself. Um, I'll tell you who punched themselves. Big Daddy Dudley when he he got Big Mama Dudley pregnant and gave birth to Dudley Dudley, the first of the Dudley brothers. All right, so here are the Dudley brothers that aren't going to be really important to this episode. Dudley Dudley. Little Snot Dudley. Mm. Dances with Dudley, also known as Chief Dudley. Dances with Dudley. Chief Dudley. Fine Guy Dudley, somewhat important as he was their manager. Big Dick Dudley, because he was the enforcer. Who was Big Dick? Who was Big Dick Dudley's mom? By the way, Roseanne. No, 
It's from when Big Daddy Dudley fucked the Holland Tunnel. Was <laughs> <laughs> oh, that a real thing? <laughs> That's what they claimed in his <laughs> bastion of art and wrestling. Why is that guy so That's mean? Because so... uh, his mum's a tunnel, bud. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good stuff. Yeah, Big Dick Dudley. A couple of things to remember. They claimed in Gimmick that he went to jail for rape a bunch of times, and mm-hmm. um, he was really scary. Welcome to D- ECW. Yep, Dudley, or where's uh, Devon build from? South Central Dudleyville. <laughs> there you go, because he is? Black. Yes, he is. There you go, baby. Do you know what the original draft of the Dudley Boys tag team was? It was the Hanson brothers. No. Go on. What the original was, was that Bubba was going to be a skinhead. And Devon was going to be a Rasta. So no matter how racist you think the Dudleys are, maybe, at some points, which I think, given pro wrestling, uh, I think the Dudleys are, as they are still racist undertones for sure, but there's like, like such as, this is going to sound nuts, I was going to mention this in uh, the next episode, we're doing three parts on the Dudleys because we have... WCW and, quite hilariously, WWF and then... And then TNA, TNA I which guess. Is where they were for 10 years. Their longest place was TNA. It's insane, man. There's so many of these wrestlers where it's like, oh, I mean, they're WWE for three years and it's like, oh, they for 15 years but they were in Impact because, Wrestling. Okay, it's so just you, nothing so happened. W- yeah, once a month you go to Florida, you tape four hours of television, you get paid pretty good money. You hang out with a drunk old weird woman. Kevin Nash is there for no reason. Of course you're going to keep that job. <laughs> So, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, what was I talking about with the skinhead? So, originally, Bubba Ray was... Oh, they're not as... They're definitely sexist. They're ECW misogynist as fuck. I was not... For, especially for ECW mid-90s before the TNN deal, not that racist. No, I don't think... I mean, they're just... Char- like, what is the dif- what is racism versus... Uh, this is two white guys on a wrestling podcast talking about what racism is. <laughs> but what's racism versus, like... Just using stereotypes because it's way I'll easier. I'll give the definition using Dylan's book called Dylan's Book of Rules. Uh, okay. Okay. So, oh, looking under R, under rational. Oh, there it is, racism. Uh, it says, um, something I like, dot, 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 I'm Dylan. That's weird. Anyway. Most of them say that. <laughs> Only the things I like are in that book. <laughs> there's, the things, there's the things I don't like in another book. And that book is called... Oh, damn it. I was trying to think of a, a, a poem. I was trying to think of a poet. Maya, Maya Angelou's book of poems. There we go. <laughs> disagree with her. You disagree with Maya? I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can yeah. tell me one of her poems right now. Don't look it up. I'll know if you're lying. Hey, I'm here. Look at me. I'm over here. Now I'm over here. <laughs> hey, uh, sorry about the bathroom. Just ate a taquito. That's one of hers. <laughs> By Maya Angelou. Sorry about the bad yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty good. That's good stuff. <laughs> That's Maya Angelou, who Devon was uh, based on. Um, the Bubba family was essentially comedic relief in ECW, and that they're this weirdly inbred family. Bubba is brought in as a redneck. He was originally supposed to be a hardcore skinhead racist, but they realized he didn't look like that, so they made him like a weird southern stuttering dumb redneck which kind of worked but kind of didn't at the same time 
so they they modeled him as by his own words he kind of modeled himself maybe after deliverance deliverance yeah. now the really fun part about Bubba's uh, training is Johnny Rods started to train him and then he met a dude <laughs> in a strip club named Sonny Blaze who was a WWF jobber Ooh. and then Sonny said I'll do that but for cheaper and then Bubba was like all right man in the strip club <laughs> teach me and then he just didn't and Bubba says he learned on the job and Johnny Rods was like a direct link to ECW because he had trained Taz and Taz was basically in charge of bringing in everyone in ECW because Paul Heyman seemingly wrote the TV show and then just asked his uh, daddy for money and that was his job. ECW was fucking crazy and I love every minute of it. Um, also, big thing that theme that will develop slowly over the this saga, Bubba Ray Dudley really into strippers. Oh yeah, he's... um benefits a lot from having a pleasant face i feel him and, like him and tommy dreamer both talk about women the way dylan and i will discuss what are we going to get for dinner what do you feel like, <laughs> like <Thai> <laughs> nah. this is tommy dreamer and bubba ray dudley talking about ladies what do you feel like an ass queen nah a 19 year old you know what the weird thing about Bubba is, is that I think the this is the way that critics kind of color art in a lot of ways, which is, uh, give really me a second. for this. Go ahead, please. He is John Bradshaw Layfield almost, but it's just that the internet likes yeah. him. Yeah, he's John, uh, what it is, he's John Bradshaw Layfield, but he's picked on, he's picked on enough of the right people that the internet kind of looks the other way. Yeah, the only time I've ever seen him, um... The ever heard him kind of kind of be held to what a weird dickhead he is is the latest thing at Ring of Honor where someone heckled his girlfriend who's Angelina Love and he brought them backstage and gave them a stern talking to. And that's the closest I've heard to him being accounted where people are like, that's kind of funny. But here's weird. the thing is that no one talks about is that JBL was literally going to a man with bipolar disorder and being like, are you going to cry because you're brain chemical? <laughs> are you going to cry? But that's funny. Like, it's absolutely yeah, the... He was I good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. I forgot that Dylan Alphagot was here. Can I, uh, can I, may, if I may? Hey, hey, buddy, is it bipolar or cripolar, <laughs> oh! you fucking weeping bitch? That's good that stuff. That's very good st- Are you opening with that now? <laughs> <laughs> I do that if uh, someone tells me they have bipolar. Then I fucking piss in their mouth. Whoa. And I, and I, no one say any words. I just try and drink enough water fast <laughs> so that I have to piss. And I'm like, don't worry, guys, it's going to happen. And I pee in their mouth and then the show's over. You put your, there, uh, I mean, I'm not going to get into the details of this. All right, Dylan, moving on. No, get into the details. Tell me, ask me the details. I talk, the details make me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oof, oof. This oof, is why oof, we have to yeah. do so many multi part episodes now. We're 19 minutes in. We haven't even gotten to the formation of the Dudley Boys. I talked about Johnny Rods. <laughs> that's a fair. Po- that's actually my nickname on the streets as well. <laughs> that's good stuff. It's so funny that you're like, yeah, I shouldn't have gone with so- what was the guy's name, Sunny Sunny Blaze. Yeah. I should have gone with Johnny Rods. They both sound like failed porn yeah. stars. They both sound like <laughs> the kind of porn stars that are in the type of porn that you stumble upon. Let's we're let's you know let's talk like adults. We've all clicked on the wrong thumbnail on a porn video, and we thought, oh, this will be. Oh no. Just leave your mind open as to what John's talking about. So let's talk. Let me put it this way. It's the type of porn that takes place in a camper van and they can use music (laughs) from the radio because they're not real. It's not any type of professional. 
<laughs> Why was Bubba Ray Dudley uh, hired by ECW? They wanted someone that would make the fans go. Yeah. That's good stuff. He was hired by ECW, I assume, because he was in a strip club with Taz, and Taz was like, "I could beat you up," and Bubba was like, "No, you fucking can't, you bitch." And then they're like, "Well, we need to have a match now." Um, he was hired by ECW because, and if you actually watch this in the WWF when he wrestles Kane, it holds true. Bubba Ray Dudley, fantastic at taking a chokeslam. And he's also kind of like, sorry, uh, sorry, he's also kind of like the big boss man in a way in that he's really big, but also good at bumping and doesn't use power moves that often. So he's a big guy you can have on your roster who doesn't need to use a power bomb or a choke slam because that's the thing that I don't think anyone really realizes. That's why Baron Corbin is on their roster now is because you need these big guys who uh, can wrestle other big guys and not just be like, it's the battle of the choke slams. Yeah, it's like just, they have to do with every big guy in like the late nineties. Cause they all had the same fucking move. It was why it's why the NWA had a very good style of, they always paired big guy with like little shit heel because the little shit heel could do mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff to the big guy psychologically, physically, all that sort of stuff that would mean then that the, Big guy, the big heel had something to overcome. It's why Arn Anderson is such an amazing wrestler, is that he's a tiny gerbil of a man who comes across like super intimidating because everything he did looked so fucking intense. But anyone could beat him and it would make sense because you're like, well, actually, he's really small. Yeah. That's and, the, and Bubba, Bubba has that same amazing thing. Both of the Dudley boys, I have to say, have this. And it's something you really see as you're looking through the timeline of the Dudley boys, especially in ECW, is how much more used to happen in wrestling. Is that they're in, yes. as soon as they become a tag team, basically what happens is Devon comes into uh, ECW to stop all of his older, his other half brothers from being embarrassments to the Dudley name. And he keeps attacking them, interfering in them, trying to get the tag team titles, all that sort of stuff. They then whittle it down. And it's little Spike Dudley is in the ring after Sandman has beaten the shit out of Devon. Bubba Ray comes in and you think he's going to take advantage and finally get revenge on Devon. He doesn't. They join forces and attack Spike Dudley and debut um, the 3D. Now, a couple of other things I want to point out. Uh, Bubba has a great couple of great off- uh, offense moves, but they're at going to your point. They're not like you like a power bomb or a choke slam. They're the Bubba cutter, which is just the diamond cutter. Uh, the Bubba Bomb, which I believe is essentially just a power bomb, but it doesn't come out that often because they do that thing of he is a comedic character who is capable of these things, but he can't always get to them. And then pairing him <coughs> with Devon the way they do, you create this very weird of like, now this vicious guy is going to bring out the viciousness in this big fucking guy and cures him of his stutter, possibly by hitting him with a chair. I feel like I made that up because I can't find it in the research, but not a big deal. And you get this very interesting, tight, intimidating tag team who also have something that no one talks about, which is they have a finishing move that looks fucking scary and they have them injure a bunch of people, kayfabe and otherwise, with it. The reason why Beulah McGillicuddy stops appearing on television is because the Dudley boys hit her with that move and they explained she's not a trained wrestler, so if you aren't a trained wrestler and know how to take that move, it breaks your neck and you have to stop being on television. Yeah, completely logical. And I really do like the way that they start the Dudley tag team where Devon is tired of the Dudleys just being uh, comedic characters and stuff. It kind of like, in a weird way, is we all remember the old 
uh, stable 3MB, the three-man band, with uh, Heath Slater, Drew McIntyre, and Jinder Mahal. They went on to try and do things with Jinder. They are doing good stuff with Drew right now, and it makes me feel like they could have kind of just taken this playbook completely and then just had someone come out and just beat the living crap out of, you know, Heath Slater and then just leaving Jinder and Drew and then just yelling at them saying, what the hell are you guys doing? You had all his talent, blah, 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 blah. And it's a really good way to, like, obviously they slowly do it, which is the key that they don't do anything slow in wrestling now. They just go, uh, Dolph Ziggler and uh, Bobby Roode are a tag team. Why? Shut up. Because, uh, shut oh, up. No, they're called Rude Ziggler, are they? No. Not to say they haven't done that before, but the, the, they in this era, they didn't just slap things together and then hope it worked out, and then it did. But you could have taken something like that. Like, have someone come in, beat up everybody, and remind them that they're a tough boy. And I think that's a great idea. And it is crazy to think, watching these old Bubba Ray Dudley matches, where he is such a defined comedy character, that this guy... A year and two two years later is like causing riots by just like doing I'm bombing crowd work. <laughs> yeah, he's doing John Hastings two o'clock in the morning at the Edinburgh Festival crowd work. Yeah, he's doing it's late and live crowd Have work. Have I full on ripped off? We got a guy in the front row. Uh, we got a lady in the front row whose uh, mom taught him taught her how to suck dick. I put my own spin on it, but I have done a variation of that purely in those moments. And did it, uh, did it work? Of course it did. It's, uh, <laughs> it's horrifically insulting. It's, uh, I really do like that uh, you just ha- not. Oh, I don't steal from comedians. I steal from pro wrestlers. To quote Greg Proops, to quote Greg Proops, I don't steal from comedians. I steal from books because they're not funny, but I am. That's, ri- <laughs> that's ridiculous. I, love it. I was just like, I- sure. Sure, Greg Proops, you're, whose line, whose line is that anyway? Who's that weird, creepy guy? Oh, that's Greg Proops. Why is he around? I don't First know. Of all, if you can't narrow it down by saying whose line is anyway and weird, creepy, it, that's all of them. With the pompadour. Greg Proops was put on whose line is in anyway in America to make Drew Carey look funny. That's why. No, no. Drew Carey hired a writer for the improv show to make Drew Carey look funny. Greg Proops was just there that's because funny. he needed to get everybody else weed. <laughs> so, all right so let's talk a bit more so the dudley boys have formed um we should say his name was not bubba ray dudley if you're not familiar when he had the stutter it was bubba and the crowd would go bubba um if you watch any like november to remember 1996 oh, nuts. it well it's also full bubba ray like this is gonna sound weird but Bubba didn't used to wear the t-shirt. If you're not familiar with them in ECW, they would wear uh, tie-dye, and Devon would wear overall shorts, and Bubba would just wear a t-shirt with, like, uh, just, like, regular uh, workout uh, shorts on underneath, and... Devon talked about getting it. He was like, oh, I always wanted to be a singles wrestler, so it sucked being put in a tag team, but who are you going to push in overalls? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's also what works about them is that they're very distinct wrestlers, and that's why there are, again, anything that really works in the WWF is a counterbalance, definitely not something they would come up with, in that they are distinct, different characters that are in a team together because they're brothers, so they work together in the storyline of them being those things. But any WWF-created tag team has all these sort of weird, like, they work in simpatico. They're so good. 
Um, yeah. Well, the Dudley Boys, again, I'm all for the Dudley Boys. They need to have a unifying thing. Camo, tie-dye, both great things. But they're very different wrestlers that then come together for one move to finish off their opponents, which is something that even people like the Young Bucks could look for. Like, the Meltzer driver is good, but again, moments where you can, again, unite and come together in a more high-impact manner in that like mm-hmm. the three the, the reason why the 3D is such a great tag team move is it's something you do together but takes almost no setup and can come out of nowhere. Those are the I always think the best type of final moves for a wrestler in that it's yeah. in that it it does it takes no time to set up. It's just it happens at the end because you need to wear your opponent down so it's super effective. I always think that those are Yeah, so it serves the same function of like even a real fight of if you're watching boxers or uh, MMA then you just talk and then the guy with the, with the with the big right hand or the big left hand like that one punch and it works well for heels too because they can be losing the whole match and then there's a distraction then 3d it's over and um what was i gonna say i, I want to talk about this and then i want to have a break but uh leading into barely legal so the w so the dudleys are established as a heel tag very, team. okay just one they're very much established as a heel tag team they also do a couple of things that are brilliant one they have sign guy as a silent manager just holding up like fucking crazy signs they're fi- oh and gertner they, i was gonna get to gertner in a second they then have big dick who is this crazy x-factor um enforcer that they also don't need it's not like they're sniveling pieces of shit they're fucking angry aggressive in your face assholes that are doing everything that the fans of ecw usually like and still they are the biggest heels in that company for most of their run like they are, yeah. The fans hate them more than Raven, more than the fucking network is the fucking Dudley Boys because they just egg them on spectacularly. And then they get Joel Gertner. Joel Gertner was the ring announcer who then started making fun of the um, uh, the quote unquote baby faces. The Eliminators break his neck using the total elimination, which I don't know if they actually did. It looks like they actually did because both of those guys were on pills, bud. And then um, he wears a neck brace for literally the rest of his wrestling career up until today. And he became the Dudley Boys personal ring announcer, which is, again, such a great fucking heel move. The Dudley Boys basically just took every trick an NWA tag team had and brought them in. Essentially, they were the Midnight Express. They were Midnight Express minus Jim Cornette plus guy with a sign that says, suck my penis. Yeah, and they have the sign guy they who will help them cheat. They have Gertner who will help them cheat. They have Big Dick Dudley who will help them cheat. Like, they just have three managers, which also, as we've talked about in our old Taz episode, just makes someone seem like a big deal when you have so many managers and your own ring announcer and, like, what, like five minutes average of mic time because Gertner does his thing, Bubba does his thing, Devon does his thing. And Devon's... an Bubba's a great promo, Devon's a good promo, and Gertner's great as well. So that's like three, and they're all doing two minutes as well. It's not like they're going out on TV now where they do like, oh, this guy's a great promo. Now he's going to do a one-person uh, one monologue from The Tempest for nine goddamn yeah, minutes absolutely. that was written th- 13 minutes before the show. I, I am not excited for the quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars because I don't think either company understands what made wrestling really good in the 90s, and that was short attention span theater. You don't do yeah. 10 things slowly and build them in an hour. You do 10 things slowly and build them over three months, but you tell 
one chapter of all of those stories within a minute interspersed between your wrestling matches that need to have defined reasons as why this person's in the ring. This guy wants to be the world champion. To get to there, he needs to beat this guy. This guy wants to hurt this guy because this guy's a fucking psycho. That's why he's in the ring. Like, the, and that was the thing that made ECW fucking great is every wrestler had a legitimate reason for why they wanted to do this. Sandman was the biggest dog in the yard. He was the first quote-unquote champion in a lot of the fans eyes so he needed to beat everyone to keep his fucking spot tommy dreamer needed to always beat one wrestler because it was one step closer into getting back in the ring with raven and finally beating raven raven needed to beat this guy because he wanted to become the ecw world heavyweight champion and prove to his father that he was a real piece a real good man and not a bad boy the dudley boys we're the biggest guy. We're the fucking baddest fucking tag team. This is why we're going to beat you. Now, what were you going to say about Barely Legal? Uh, I was going to say, if anyone wants to see, like, this, I think everyone's overly dramatic about sometimes people being squashed on TV. Um, so the Dudleys win their first tag title by beating the Eliminators. Then the Eliminators at Barely Legal do a, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, like, 15-minute squash match of the Dudleys. Like, the Dudleys get no offense. No. And then... They hit total elimination and they win. And and also, how does that match start? This is a great point of how that match starts. I forget. The Dudleys totally uh, total eliminate uh, Gertner again. Oh, you mean the Eliminators? The Eliminators, pardon me. Um, The Eliminators come out before their ring announcement, do that, and catch them by surprise. So it's this little tiny element of logic in why they were able to squash the Dudley boys. Total elimination, this is going to sound weird because I do think Perry Saturn was a good wrestler. I'm not sure about Cronus, um, but total elimination would be a cool finishing move to see someone reboot with people who weren't on... Muscle relaxants? I 100% agree. <laughs> yeah. Who didn't take Robaxis set and then serious kills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be really nice to see... They'll just give you this shit over the yeah, counter. You know, you know, if you just take a bunch of baby aspirin and then drink some wine, <laughs> it feels like your dick's on fire. Um. <laughs> One of my favorite things was when Perry Saturn went missing and everyone was like, ooh, he was like high up in the Marines. He could have just had it with this world and be living in the woods and have his own little thing. And it was like, nope, meth. He's a meth head. <laughs> it was like, clearly he got into meth. Like The guy with the face tattoo? Yeah, he's not roughing it yeah. in the wilderness. Wait a minute. The guy who was with Moppy yeah. just went into the woods? I don't think so. But, I mean, Steve Blackman also did some stupid stuff, and now he's taken very seriously. So, who knows? He isn't, and he isn't. Um, I don't take him seriously, and I loved him as a wrestler. But So, we'll talk about this after the break, but we should mention that the Dudleys do regain uh, the ECW tag titles from the Eliminators. Uh, shortly thereafterwards, the Eliminators obviously... Leaving the company. Leaving John Kronos, by the way. Again, the Eliminators are not remembered for being as badass of a tag team as they should have been. They were. Well, that was the whole thing. Was where were they? Where were they built from? They were built from like war time. <laughs> it was like from the Gulf I wanted War. To talk about <laughs> like, about ECW that no one talks about is all of their like where the wrestlers are from is so fucking amusing. So central deadly. Yeah, the oh, Eliminators yeah. were. Yeah, they were built from like the fiery pit of war that is not gay. Um, and also, I like the Eliminators because they weren't just a straight-ahead road warriors ripoff. Where like, ooh, these guys are total badasses. Blah blah blah. Their thing was like Perry Saturn was the serious guy, and then Cronus was like uh, just a 
friggin' nutcase. But they right? were basically, I always thought of them as they were basically Paul Heyman, and this is definitely true. Paul Heyman saw the dynamic dudes and the Road Warriors stood next to each other and was like, we're going to put them together, sir. That's a great, yeah, that was not, not impression, but a great observation. John, we're going to take a break. Break me off a piece of dead ass, Dylan. Nice. We're going to have sex. Yeah, phone sex. What are you wearing? Come. <laughs> I've been uh I've been sl- I've been putting a cup on my skin mound where my dick is so it actually makes my cock bigger. That's the start of this ad. Oh, Please go to patreon.com/wrestlerreview <laughs> and donate <laughs> and donate to us. $5 gets you exclusive access to our Patreon feed and episodes ahead of time for 25 bucks you can select a wrestler to review one guy did buck zoom off who's a pedophile rapist and we still reviewed him god damn it we have no allegiances go to patreon to hear the buck zoom off episode also known as the time where two friends are pushed to the fucking edge <laughs> yo 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 patreon.com backslash wrestler review or rate us on itunes subscribe throw yourself out a fucking window who gets a shit Yo, 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 yo. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Eliminators, by the way, Dylan didn't want me to, but I looked it up. They're from Boston, Massachusetts, but were announced as being from the Combat Zone in Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, the Combat Zone, which is just a 7-Eleven. Yeah, it's just a, a, oh, Jesus. It's just a bad area of Boston. (laughs) Yeah, where are they from? 3 a.m. trying to get a hot dog in Boston. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, so the D, the uh, the Dudley Boys. It's fucking crazy how short their ECW run is, in that they still have to be fucking. They still, anytime they're at a convention, eight people that look like Dylan are walking up to them and going, "Yeah, I'm, when you beat the Gangsternators, did is that your favorite memory of wrestling?" <laughs> well, because that's like you're talking about um, during the break. Actually, Cronus and New Jack formed a tag team when Mustafa left ECW and Perry Saturn left ECW. Cronus the got then got fat and then they made him leave and died shortly afterwards. Iolo. Yeah, but this is the go- to me. This is the golden age of ECW uh, tag team wrestling because you have Tracy Smothers uh, and Little Guido with the FBI. Oh, the, the best game. version of the FBI managed by Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer or Tommy uh, Tommy Rich? Pardon me. Yeah, no, like Tommy Rich and Big Sal. Oh, we should say Big Sal is the one who got Bubba Ray into ECW and says they're still good friends to this day. The subtext being the 600-pound, seven-foot guy is still alive Yeah, for him. That is really good. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I want to see if he's lost weight, but I assume not. And of course, sorry, the hardcore chair swinging freaks, which was Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. All those tag teams fit together, and they're all very individual. Great stuff. Of course, the Dudleys are being pushed, so they're in a uh, rivalry with Rob Van Dam and Sabu, who are a great tag team themselves because you think they would be unbeatable, but they argue so much that they lose sometimes. Oh, it's so great. Big Sal Graciano, by the way, has lost a significant amount of weight. Oh, great. That's good. Yeah. Good for him. I was Still be- alive, man. Anytime a wrestler beats uh, beats 60, I'm like, wow, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just moving back to the notes so we can keep talking. Yeah, no, 90, again, 97 to 99 is the reason why ECW got television is that they were so fucking hot, so fucking interesting. 
the problem is is they were mismanaged and also in the Dudley's case the Dudley's were intimately aware about how well they were, how badly they were mismanaged because Paul let them run the books yes Bubba Ray was looking at the books which is why he basically figured out that ECW was a feeder system for the WWF which is why it was such a big deal when um Todd Gordon was thought to be basically mining people for WCW is because the whole reason this company is still around is because the WWF pays us. But what's crazy is also Paul Heyman is such a shady guy. He didn't yeah. tell the majority owner of that, uh, of the company, that that's the deal he had arranged. Like, that's the interesting subtext of that story in that, and it's why you know Paul Heyman is just a shady guy, in that he arranged a deal for... Uh, Someone else who, who the company he didn't own at the time. Yep. Paul, Todd Gordon was the majority owner of it. T- Paul Heyman had a stake, but he didn't own the whole thing. Yeah, Paul was more the face than the money, which is how these things have to work. Like the AEW is set up well because you have Tony Khan, who's a bottom line guy, and then all the creative people. Yeah. Now, on to less boring things. So let's talk about a story where they did a ECW FMW crossover show. Oh, yeah. this is so good. Okay. And then what before the match, Sandman said, what did he say to do in the match? I mean, I was gonna get I was gonna see if the fans were gonna be able to guess. I was gonna give them options. Um, but yeah, Sandman said, We'll Pearl Harbor you Pearl Harbor us, and then we'll jap you. <laughs> no he said i'll pull harbor you and then you come back and jap me <laughs> to the japanese talent the dudley boys so, no believe, to onita yeah to onita company uh and the dudley boys believed that their careers would be over only sandman by the way by the way i spent a month hanging out with cole cabana in edinburgh I definitely asked him about sandman and he said he reads the he, and this is what cole cabana said reads the wall street journal a lot more than you think he would <laughs> which is one time in his life yeah <laughs> He could have just said reads. <laughs> when he walks up to a sign, he can see that it says stop. He just doesn't know, oh, cool, red one means no r- driving for now. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what a stop sign is, but he'd prefer to just let it ride. <laughs> There's also the famous public enemy story when it comes to the Dudleys, which was the public enemy come in as the Fed's two most successful teams. Paul signed the public enemy back to the promotion. Of course, the public enemy beat down the Dudleys in their re-debut. The Dudleys do the same thing, hitting a 3D on public enemy, who then just get right back up. Bubba and Devon go back to the ring, beat up public enemy, and they got back up again. And that was their last night in ECW. It was because they fucked over. They tried to keep their heat. Um, the public enemy is crazy because everyone is respectful of them, weirdly. Like, even during the interviews the source material for this stuff it's like bubba says he didn't beat up um rock or rock because he had so much respect for him he beat up johnny grunge but then people also say johnny grunge was the only link to sanity that chris benoit had and then when johnny grunge passed on that's when things got real crazy so it's a very interesting thing because they seem ostensibly they're two very well respected men um, but then it's like, yeah, they're, oh, they were so well-respected. Uh, what did they do? They took all the catering for themselves and didn't go to the ring. <laughs> like Every yeah. single public enemy interview is like, yeah, well, they stole all the Sandman's cigarettes and sold them back to him. <laughs> yeah, let me explain. This is a, I think you'll get this metaphor, but I don't think other people will. We're both in comedy, yeah? Ooh, barely. Um, and in some places, there's like the super well-respected comedian in the small market. Yes. 
that's who I think Public Enemy are are for all these guys is that they're beloved by all these guys that went on to greater success because to them when they were new this was like the cool making it happen edgy team who were actually just two guys being like hey, you know if you keep the potato salad in the fucking heater but it becomes cheese <laughs> But that must be a weird thing for them because they want to prove, like you said, that they're still the top team and they want to go reestablish themselves as the top team. But things done changed even if it has been like, what, two years. But they burnt every bridge they had. They burnt the bridge in WCW. They burnt the WWF bridge and they burnt the ECW bridge. It was insane. Uh, I disagree. For the for the public enemy did not burn the WWF bridge. The WWF bridge was set ablaze by John Bradshaw Layfield and his friend Ron, who are both cunts, but Ron gets away with being a cunt because sometimes he yells, damn. Like they're, Everyone goes like, oh, well, they did all these stuff, and then they were rude. And it's like, yeah, but they would have, they're always rude. Like, fuck you, no. Well, they came in with a territory mindset to a global company which was we have to get we have to retain our heat especially since that they are especially in that time the late 90s a small tag team because these yeah. are not these are guys wrestling in t-shirts the public enemy are and they're not like the dudleys where the dudleys dress even a lot like public enemy but the dudleys are big guys like bubba's a big guy devon's a big guy especially during this ecw run where everyone is six foot tall and on steroids. Like, there's no seven foot dude in the company. Or if there is a seven foot dude in the company, it's a guy like 911 or a guy like Big Sal who cannot wrestle at all. They're just big. And that's why they're not in the WWF. Yeah. Can't, not wrestling was very much, it almost at times seemed like why you got hired in ECW. Like, to this day, I can't figure out why Jack Victory was in a wheelchair for two years and also was made the enforcer of the biggest heel in the last days of ECW. Because there was no one who would work for free except for Jack Victory. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. We'll, we'll, we won't pay for the wheelchair, but we'll let you bring it in, Jack. I'll be there, buddy. Wrestling is a lot like comedy, though, in that I could totally believe everyone from the outside thinks, why did everyone work for free in the last days of ECW? It's a lot like comedy. In comedy, if you guys watch um, late night television, if you're in uh, North America, those comedians on late night television aren't paid that much. But as a result of those appearances, they can command a lot more money doing comedy clubs. And it's probably the exact same thing in ECW, where they'll work for free on ECW just to put uh, Dylan Gott of ECW and then their indie bookings go through the roof. Yeah. That's the, totally the reason they do it. It's a showcase. That's why uh, everyone at Impact uh, worked for a while for very little money because, oh, I was this guy was on Impact Wrestling. That'll make his you know indie bookings uh, skyrocket. What I want to do, is, though, is during the 1998-1999 era, I think this is going to be, I don't know how controversial, this is going to be controversial to a very small amount of people. Go I think on. I think it was great that the Dudleys left. I think Paul Heyman was right to not resign them because I think it's a retread, especially when on their last night in the company, they win uh, their seventh ECW tag team title. And I think that a better version of them was just around the pipe. Obviously, 
it didn't work out because Landstorm left, but I think the Impact players are just a better version of the Dudleys because they're better workers, they're in better shape, and um, although their promos aren't as good, they're just all around, they're all around shithead heels, which is exactly what ECW did. I don't, the Dudleys and Impact players feuded for a short time, but I don't think you can have both those tag teams coexist as just like, what? what is your character? We are heels. Like... The Dudleys have a little bit more to sink their teeth into, like the, because the Impact players are just the generic, like we're young and up and coming, and get this, boys, we're rude to you. I think also, I think you're also missing the point of in those two. It, they also lost their accountant as well, so like it's not just in the ring. Like in ring, it's fine they left, but behind the scenes, like you've also lost. Yeah, they literally lost their they lost their accountant and their head of shipping and receiving, and I wish I was joking. I, I do like that aspect of ECW, the whole, like, punk rock, like, DIY aspect of it. I think that's cool. But, like, everyone uses that as, like, a negative thing about ECW. But I do think, like, as far as the ECW ethos of, like, fuck you. Well, no, but it is like, also what has crushed so many wrestling companies before. Is a lot of wrestling companies are actually very good at running on a limited budget. It's when they go from Mon Pa to a fucking business. It's that you have to bring in a corporate guy. You have to bring in someone that's like... No, you can't pay the Sandman in beer. You have to get an invoice <laughs> from him for the beer. But here's the thing with the Dudley Boys that I completely agree with you is that they they and Taz leaving at the same time was really bad for the company, but at the same time it moved the company forward and ECW of anyone really embraced of here's how we're going to replace them. Here's the thing with the Dudley Boys in those two years. They developed into the best and the biggest heels in ECW. They developed into something that you would watch the show to watch to hate. And they kept reinventing how they did that and kept getting heat. And then they ran out of ways to do that, bar literally murdering someone. They they did they did run away. They they broke Beulah's neck. They just did racist, sexist, homophobic promos to the point where even people in Philadelphia were like, well, I wouldn't say that. They they almost caused a riot on pay-per-view. Um, they put the chairs swinging freaks through tables on fire, which if you listen to the noise the crowd makes when that happened, they are so crazy scared. Like, they're like, holy fucking shit. Yep. They did a lot of stuff, and they were... Exact, but ECW kind of worked the inverse of wrestling because they say wrestling is the heel or the babyface is only as good as the heel. Which I think, if you want to look at wrestling as a whole, the best example of that is how good Edge was in 2005 and watch John Cena be booed against every single person except when he wrestled Edge. But I think ECW was the opposite, where it's like, since it's a promotion where basically, uh, yeah, man, do anything, just don't do a headlock. Um, Dudley's were only great heels because everyone loved Taz and Tommy Dreamer and Balls Mahoney and Spike Dudley so much. Well, we exactly it was also the Dudleys were doing something different than everyone else was. Everyone else was doing on the program. The problem with when Taz and the Dudleys left is this is a really pretentious metaphor, but essentially Dudleys and Taz were palate cleansers for what everyone else was doing. And then when they left, their variety shrunk. They actually got back to it in that they elevated RVD. They elevated the Impact players. They got back to it pretty quickly, but they it was a misstep at their moment of going on television, which they never recovered from. Yeah, they were losing 
talent at such a rate that they could no longer tell long stories. Like the story of Ron Van Dam becoming amazing was like he tagged with Sabu and then he won the tag the TV title over Bigelow, which if you watch his TV title over win over Bigelow, it's just because him and Sabu started fighting Bigelow at the same time. Like they still kept Bam Bam Bigelow so strong, and he needed Bill Alfonso's help in a lot of those early matches, even against guys who were just coming in and out of the company. Like Too Cold Scorpio came back in for a hot second, and they had a great match. But it was like he needed Bill Alfonso to help him win, and then it morphed into this guy's unstoppable, and he's the best wrestler in the company. Absolutely, and they also, by the way, never pulled the trigger on the Sabu Rob Van Dam program fully. They almost did, but. Everyone knew, because I'm sure people talk, like, there's no way Bubba wasn't like, hey, we spent 50000 and made 40000 times every show we've ever had. Yeah. Because Paul could not accept just being second place. Like, he shouldn't have brought in Bam Bam Bigelow. Like, that probably screwed over the whole company. Like, it's probably... It's well, he the- did it with a bunch of people. He, he shouldn't have brought in Sid. He shouldn't have brought in Bam Bam. It's also the way yeah. that they were... The production elements, they also didn't need to tour. It's one of those things where if they had been smart, they would have stayed in Philadelphia or in the Pennsylvania area or the Elks lot. Like, use the rooms you use all the times and be a territory. ECW also had this thing of, no, we have to keep going, we have to keep going, we have to keep going. Their television looked the best when they were in the Elks Lodge uh, in Queens, New York, because it looked so different. And the crowd was right on top of them. That you watch that going, this is different than the WWF product. As soon as they stopped doing that, and this is important because this is as they're losing everybody, but they keep trying to go to bigger and bigger buildings to keep their brand strong, they yeah. are do they're they look low rent. Well, the most people they ever drew was in like the last two months of their existence was when they I think they went to Mississauga and filled like a five thousand seat arena. And they the ECW brand is like obviously is evidenced by the sales of the one night stand DVD. I know that sounds crazy to say a DVD, but that like huge. revived the company. Yeah, revived the company to the point where they WWE CW was born. It's a great story to tell. But even in that, they make the point of the Dudley boys leaving was a huge blow, and it absolutely was. But okay, so the du- the Dudley boys leave because one of them is the accountant, the other one is in the shipping, the shipper and receiver. So one of them is sending out all of the merchandise that they're making, and the other one is literally doing the math of how much money they're making. They see a couple of things: one, they're not making a bunch of money. Bubba was accounting, Devon was shipping and receiving. Yes, and two, by the way. They know that they're getting money from another source. This is one of the big points of that Paul Heyman will always claim, no, the WWF gave me money because I had a record deal and then certain wrestlers left because the WWF, so they were just making that. The fucking Bubba Ray Dudley was the fucking accountant. He did the fucking math. He could see that they were getting money from somewhere else, which is, by the way, why the Dudley boys negotiated their WWF deal themselves because they knew everyone else had gone through Paul. Paul did a thing of he elevated the amount of money so it seemed like ECW wrestlers were more important. That pissed off the office, hence what happened to Taz. The Dudley boys didn't do that. They just went in as themselves and on a much lower level when, by the way, also they had the advantage of going in when tag team wrestling wasn't that important to Vince McMahon, and then they were one of three teams that made it really fucking important to the WWF. I think that the, we talked about them uh, on a previous series, but I think that the New Age Outlaws really did that mostly because the New Age Outlaws were DX. 
They absolutely were, and we did talk about this during the Billy Gunn. Shawn Michaels epic hurts of his the back. Summer. Hang on though, but yeah. the difference is, is that so that means that there's focus on the tag team division, but the tag team division was basically just New Age Outlaws and two other teams that are around for a bit, whether they be the New Midnight Express or. Yeah, the, the the tag team division was the New Age Outlaws until the Dudleys and, Edge and the Acolytes separate the from Ac- the Ministry. Yeah, and, and the Acolytes. And, yeah, Hardy Boys. Hardy Boys. Like, it's the fact that the Acolytes, when the Acolytes are in the tag team division, it takes them almost two years to get a tag team title reign when essentially the New Age Outlaws became the tag team of note and were just the champions for a year and a half. Yeah, and then they would... There was such a lack of a division. It was just like they were just wrestling Austin and whoever. Yeah, which the Dudley Boys had the huge advantage of not having to do that. So, but before we get to that, I just want to talk about the last moments of them in ECW is so one fun. of the best angles of all time. It's one of the best angles of all time. If that they win the belts, they are the preeminent heel talkers in this company at this point. They get in the ring and say they're going to lay these belts down on the desk of Vince McMahon. The fans are going fucking ape shit because they ha- they don't know what actually is going to happen. The fans of ECW are smart. They are aware that there is a possibility that there is <laughs> a working relationship with WWF and ECW that that could happen. Also, this is post-ECW quote-unquote invasion on Raw. Yeah. So they are, the WWF is, much like the Dudley Boys, a great heel to that audience. Tommy Dreamer comes out and fights them by himself to try and get the belts back at the last second. Raven, that no one knew, came from WCW because Raven, uh, Eric Bischoff, so crazy with power, said, if anyone doesn't like the way I'm operating my company, just get up and leave. And Raven was like, sweet, if I have a release clause, they'll have to pay me a bunch of money, I'm leaving, and he did and went back to ECW and was part of my personal favorite moment of that company, of the crowd reaction of Raven coming in, the formation of a tag team of that extends the feud between Tommy Dreamer and Raven but makes them this the tag team champions that fucking hate each other but both can't stomach the idea of losing the belt. Fucking phenomenal. Great stuff. And I think that Raven... Um that DDT that he does looks so much cooler than any... And just, you saw Raven, the way he covered Bubba, like, if you watch it again, it's like Bubba does the capital J-O-B for him, where he takes the DDT, he's laid out, and Raven is even stopping covering him as he's covering him. Like, he's down, he puts one hand on him, and then he gets up just to make eye contact with Tommy. Oh. Like, it's 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 a brilliant, brilliant piece of wrestling. And the way he slides in the ring, and especially since the Elks Lodge really works, it was in the Elks Lodge, and it really works to their advantage, because Raven can just, two seconds and he's in the ring, you know? It's not like a really long walkway, like, where everyone just realizes what's happening in the crowd and has a chance to react to it, and they have to stage everything. Like, that's why they do the blackout lights on, where the guy's, like, staying in The Undertaker and... It's like you you can kind of figure out the Undertaker is going to be there because it's like this 75-year-old man has to walk to the ring and it takes three minutes. You know, it's so much better because it's just bang, bang, DDT, out of there. Great, great angle and a great way for them to leave. And obviously, if you watch, if you want to watch the speech the Dudleys give to the crowd about how much ECW uh, means to them. But speaking on the Dudleys as a whole uh, during this time... And speaking on ECW as a whole, rather, I think that it says a lot that these guys, within the space of eight years they're a company, they go from a bar show in New York to 
on television to on TNN. Like that's what good creative will do for you. And that's what working as a unit will do for you. And uh, yeah, the Dudleys, I think, I don't know. I'm obviously biased because I do love ECW, but um, I think this is the best part. of It their is career, the best right? part of ECW. I completely agree. It's also, it's also they, the W the Dudleys did the best out of being ECW guys in that like any sort of super creative scene, there's a time to leave and then yes and they pick their spot so well the wrestler that left the wrestlers that left right before TNN which exposed all of the flaws of ECW did the best Taz got a bit fucked let's be honest because he was too short and Vince McMahon just didn't ask well Dylan yeah Vince McMahon just assumed that he was six feet tall yeah and turns out he was five six yep and um yeah I mean the Dudleys did the best because they and this is an intro. I think the best thing about the Dudleys, I'll just do best and worst now. Is uh, and this is going to sound weird? But I mentioned it earlier. Is that um, Bubba in particular, and even Devon? There's guys when you're in a cruiserweight promotion that your finishing move can be a choke slam because you're six two and everyone's five eight, and then that makes sense. But they, either of them, never did power moves except for like assisted power bombs. That that was it. It's such an interesting point you make. Yeah. Because they always had an eye towards the future, which was who what, what did they do really well, which was they each bumped really well, and they each also had a had a very distinct bumping style where um, Bubba would uh, take the bump and then come back up and look groggy and then flat on his back uh, versus Devon. I mean, it was, looked silly, but it was just different, which was every time he took a big move, he was electrocuted. You know, he did the whole like, gah thing. Oh, it's there. It's utterly fascinating. The whole thing that happened. Like yeah. it's, and Devon's a great heel because he's, there's nothing cool about Devon Dudley. He's just shitty. Yeah. That's his whole thing. He's a shitty, brash piece of shit. Yeah, and the way he does his promos is great, but also annoying. And then Bubba does most of it and is super annoying too. Like they're, I think, all in all, I think that their window towards the future and and kind of looking past where they were really helped them because if you look at it ostensibly, like Tommy Dreamer is probably way more what the WWF wanted. Like he was an in shape dude who is probably he's for sure scared of his own body. Uh, that's why he only wrestled fully clothed almost, but he was good at promos. You know what I mean? Like he, he was, was good uh, at promos, but the thing is he was injured very quickly because he just listened to Paul Heyman too much. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Didn't protect himself in working a style. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fucking fascinating fascinating john what's the best thing about the dudley boys um let me tell you what the best thing about the dudley boys is it's about kissing best thing about the dudley boys is promos the fucking best promos <laughs> absolutely match who they are in the ring match everything that they're doing i love them yeah and then the the whole thing where like the, the thing that sets the ecw apart is that it's extreme and gross and they are too extreme and gross for the ecw fan base is definitely a skill i think the worst thing about the dudley's um during this period is probably the hate speech they used yeah no i'm gonna, mean, I'm gonna say the tie-dye i didn't like the tie-dye <laughs> you know i love the tie-dye just because it was like look at these losers wrong i didn't like it and it starts giving bubba the what he thinks is political clout to kind of be a dick in the ring which will be referenced 
in the TNA episode. This is all planting seeds because this is basically for them. It's like, oh, they see what TNA is. TNA was ECW, WCW, where it's like all the bad parts of both of them. Where it's like, oh, we just have a financial benefactor, and that's why our company is succeeding. But without the creative, uh, without the great creative stuff, where it's like, I don't care that this is losing money. I just like wrestling, and this is the next phase of pro wrestling. Very clearly, what do you think the worst thing was, John? I mean, the racism is a good shout. Uh, I would actually say the worst thing about them in their ECW period. Um, oh, how do I say this? There is a lack of. There's a lack of focus in terms of evolving the character in that they they hit upon the um, crazy offensive promo, beat the fuck out of someone important to their opponents, and then squeeze by with a victory of said opponent very quickly and basically get away with that for two years and truly lack some beautiful creativity, which is something I think they could have really used a bit more. Yeah, they kind of arrived on that and then just kind of stopped having gimmicks because it was before it was this bumpkin family. And then it just was like, no, we're just heels now. This, uh, yeah. Uh, just be heels. John, I'm going to ask you a favor. I have to tinkle. Can you just talk about our Facebook and Instagram and what we're going to be talking about next week while I pee? And then I'll wrap up the show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed the show, find us on Facebook, The Wrestler Review. Find our personal pages on Twitter and other social media outlets at Dylan Gott at the John Hastings. If you like the show, leave a review, rate, write, subscribe. Also, if you know any wrestlers, call them up and say, hey, shut up, you're fat. We got big loads. Next week is going to be <coughs> Dudley Boys Part 2. Also, if you're hearing this, in theory, very soon our Hard Body Harrison Patreon episode goes live. Check both those things out and then come to my house and give me a kiss, lips or face. It's up to you. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.